You're listening to Know, Like, and Trust by Stampede Digital Systems. As a pioneer of the Know, Like, and Trust movement, Stampede guides listeners through the marketing process with real-life examples of successful individuals. Today's show highlights a business owner who offers a valuable service, making a powerful impact on the world. With your host, Troy Campbell. Welcome, everyone, to the Stampede Know, Like, and Trust podcast. We have another amazing episode today with the amazing story of an entrepreneur, of a thought leader who is making a difference in the world and spreading his vision and his talents to others. Um, Just a brief note before I introduce him about the purpose of this podcast. It's aimed at leaders, influencers, uh, entrepreneurs, people who are out there attempting to grow their vision and connect with others. And Stampede Digital Systems, we are a full-stack marketing company. We believe one of the best ways to do that is to get people to know, like, and trust you. And that is the, the theme of the show and the name of this show is helping others to get to know, like, and trust us so that they'll do business with us, so that they'll become part of our cause, our dreams, and our hopes. An amazing example of that is the guest we brought to you today. His name is Dr. Joseph Parent. He's a highly regarded expert in performance psychology, working with athletes, actors, artists, and executives. He's received his undergraduate degree from Cornell University and his PhD from the University of Colorado. He studied and practiced and taught mindful, mindful awareness since the 1970s, probably before it was cool, in the lineage of the great Tibetan meditation masters, uh, venerable Dr. Parent, will you tell me how to say, cho- is it Chogyam? Chogyam. Trungpa. Trungpa. Right. Chogyam Trungpa, along with his friends and fellow author, uh, Pima Chodron. Okay, that would be Pema Chodron. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Parent is the best-selling author of the best diet book ever, The Zen of Losing Weight, Zen Tennis, Playing in the Zone, Zen Golf, Mastering the Mental Game, with more than a million copies in print, digital, and audio formats worldwide. He's also the author of a book that his wife did the wonderful illustrations for. That's It's a Winnie the Pooh book called A Walk in the Wood, which is a, a, a book about mindfulness and thoughtfulness that we can uh, incorporate into our own lives. So he's a sought-after keynote speaker at a wide variety of businesses and association events. He offers executive coaching, mindfulness awareness training, and sports psychology lessons by phone or video calls anywhere in the world. So without further ado, let's talk to Dr. Joe. Hello. Hi, Troy. Great to be on with you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. I, I have been so excited to, to, to really dive into your story and, and, and how you became um, positioned yourself in this way and write these wonderful books for us. Well, um, let's go back to Cornell University. Please. Where I was a student in the engineering college. Okay. And at a certain point, I had a, an epiphany um, that of what I, you know, what I really wanted to do with my life. And something told me that I, I had the capacity to teach and to convey ideas to other people. Uh, and and uh, 
I thought about what did I want to teach? And I realized that I probably was not going to invent a cleaner running engine to reduce air pollution, but I could help people have cleaner running minds wow. to reduce mental pollution. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I, I went right over to the, uh, the College of Arts and Sciences. I had to switch colleges within the university uh, to major in psychology. Right. So the, the application said, why do you want to major in psychology? And I wrote, to find out why I want to major in psychology. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, not long after that, I also encountered uh, Eastern wisdom teachings, particularly in the Buddhist tradition, which really spoke to me. In fact, a friend gave me a book, <clears throat> and I started reading it. And as I went through page after page, I, uh, it was like, uh, already think that, already think that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Already think that. Already think that. And I finished the book and I said, huh, I didn't know it. It, it turns out I'm a Buddhist. <laughs> so, so it really was like meeting an old friend rather than needing to be convinced about anything. Right. Uh, it was an immediate connection. And that was in 1970. Oh, so it, this is my 50th anniversary of being connected to the Buddhist wisdom tradition. Wow. It's, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the trappings and the rituals that I was connected with. It was the insights that you got from working with your mind through mindfulness meditation. Yes. And, and putting that into action in your relationships with body, so awareness of your body, speech, how you communicate and listen, and mind, your thoughts and attitudes. And, and the mind is the most important because the mind is what determines what speech comes out, <laughs> how you hear, what you hear from other people, and what you do about, about things. Mm -hmm. So uh, always of the three, the mind is the most important. Now, I've, I studied with... Uh, uh, Tibetan teachers and American teachers, two, two or three main ones through the course of uh, the last 50 years, <clears throat> and really developed my teaching program of mindfulness. But I combined it with the Western psychology that I had learned uh, at Cornell and at the University of Colorado in the graduate program where I got my PhD. And I had the good fortune to be able to merge those together. Now, so those were two pieces of the puzzle. But then I was uh, doing a stress management program. And it turns out that people were more interested in reducing their stress on the golf course than they were in their relationships. Oh, yeah. Now, now this goes back again to the, to the late 1970s when I was teaching a program at a meditation center for Buddhist psychology. So we were doing mindfulness meditation. We were studying the principles of how the mind works from the Eastern wisdom traditions and from Western psychology all combined. Right. And a young man who had just graduated and had played on his college golf team and was headed to Jacksonville where the Players' Championship was held every year, and he was headed there to be an assistant pro. I said, oh, we got to go play golf. 
which had been one of my favorite hobby sports. I was involved in all sorts of organized sports throughout high school and even into college of uh, football, wrestling, track, and tennis. Uh, but golf was my hobby in the summer, and it was just what I, I did for fun. So we went out, and uh, he said, tell me what my mind is doing on the golf course. And I said, I'll tell you what your mind is doing. You tell me what my body's doing. And so the fairways became our laboratory, and we stayed connected for the next 20 years in working on the mind and the body in golf. He went on to continue to use swing instruction, but I developed the program for the mental game. Right. Uh, was introduced one by one up the ladder until I started teaching coaching on the PGA Tour in 1997. And just a few years after that, um, wow. met, met an agent, a literary agent. And, uh, and we, she said, so what do you do? And, uh, and I said, well, um, I teach golf. And she said, but your sister told me, because my sister introduced us, your sister told me you were a Buddhist. I said, well, that's true too. She said, Buddhist teaching golf? That is so hot. Do you have a book? <laughs> now, I'd written a few articles in magazines and had intended eventually to put them together into a book. But this is, uh, for your audience, I want you to hear, this is where opportunities come in. If I had said no, she would have said, oh, too bad. But I said, I'm working on one. She said, oh, I, I want to see what you got. Uh, I could either meet you this weekend. I'm going away for a week. How about the weekend after? I said, I'll take the weekend after. And I sat down for 10 days. <laughs> And wrote, I found all my little pieces of paper and notes from all my lessons and transcripts from clinics that I had taught that were transcribed and recorded and transcribed. Yes. So that's another thing. Any teaching that you do, any seminars or, or talks that you give, record them, transcribe right. them. They will be the material for your book. Yes. And, and so, so, um, I put that together for her, put a, put a, couple dozen pages together she said let's make this into a proposal and we did and she said well we'll send it to the big publishers and then when we get feedback from them we'll send it to a lot of smaller ones okay two weeks later she called me and she said uh, i got some news for you double day bought your book oh my yes <laughs> right off the bat boom and that was zen golf um it was published exactly 18 years ago uh, this month and it is still selling very well and has been named by uh, some golf writers as one of the top 25 golf books of all time. So, um, in fact, I was very fortunate a survey was done of golfers by, by Golf Magazine and it was named, it tied with uh, another famous instruction book for the the number one instruction book that every golfer should read. Wow. So that was it's been very exciting. It's been a great ride. I have three more golf books that came out after that. Zen Putting, Golf the Art of the Mental Game, which includes a hundred of my tips 
with a hundred beautiful line drawings from a, a, a great, great golf artist. Uh, not just golf, but a, uh, a, an, a, an artist who specialized in anatomically correct line drawing. It, it's just beautiful. And then my last golf book was How to Make Every Putt. Um, after that, I did Zen Tennis along with Bill Scanlon. Then I wrote the best diet book ever, The Zen of Losing Weight. Right. And I got to tell you, uh, why did I pick the title, The Best Diet Book Ever? Well, a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. figured if people Google best diet book, it's going to show up. Bingo. Yep. So so there you have it. And and the reason it's the best diet book ever is that there are no, there's, there's no diet in there. There are no nutritional recommendations, no requirements, no restrictions. One, in one of the chapters, I say, you know, everything changes about what's good or bad for you. I say coffee, chocolate, red wine. Yep. Good for you or bad for you. If you don't like the answer, check back in a few months. Yep, exactly. There'll be a new study that says the opposite. So, so rather than uh, a nutrition book, it's a book on how you change your habits and your relationship with eating and with exercise. And, and and your attitudes about that, and you use mindfulness to notice the choices that you make. And then the final book uh, that I've written, the, la the latest book, I have a couple more in the pipeline. Uh, the latest book is A Walk in the Wood: Meditations on Mindfulness with a Bear Named Pooh, and that is uh, Disney asked the Disney company asked my sister, uh, who has written children's books and young adult books for 20 years for them. And she's a freelance writer. Uh, they said, we want to do this book on the Japanese art of forest bathing, which is a bad translation for immersing yourself in the atmosphere of the forest. Uh -huh. And they said, we have a character. Winnie the Pooh lives in the forest. Does a bear live in the wood? Yes, the hundred acre wood. <laughs> There's your answer to the question. Does a bear live in the wood? Now. Um, <laughs> the editor said, doesn't your, your brother teach mindfulness? Would the two of you like to write this together? So that's why the subtitle is Meditations on Mindfulness with a Bear Named Pooh. And it's for the whole family because each story is followed by adult language instructions in a mindfulness practice. Mindfulness of body, breathing, sense perceptions, uh, kindness practice, a gratitude practice. Uh, things like that. So it's for children and for adults to share, and then the adults can share the, the practices with their children at, at age appropriate level. Yeah. It's also a beautiful book with great illustrations and a beautiful design by my wife. So it was really a family affair. I love it. Um, in the golf world, Barbara Nicholas loves the book and invited me to come and read with her to the Nicholas Children's Hospital in Miami, which is what I was supposed to do a month ago. Unfortunately, <laughs> actually two months ago. Unfortunately, right then the shutdown happened just before I was able to fly out. So I'm going to do that again sometime. Um, and I have recorded readings from the book on my YouTube channel. Uh, so we'll, we'll be able to talk about how people can access that. But um, the rest of my story is a, the wife of a great tour pro read 
my Zen golf book and wanted me to teach him. So I got together and coached DJ Singh and helped him to be number one in the world. He's wow. the only player to replace Tiger Woods as number one in the world between 1999 and 2010. Wow. Uh, so, so that was exciting working with DJ. And then a few years later, I got um, asked to coach Christy Kerr on the women's tour and helped her get to number one in the world. So Zen Golf works <laughs> at all levels because I wrote it based on my teaching experience, not on some theories. And, um, and, and so I've coached on the PGA Tour since 1997. Uh, after Zen Golf came out, the other thing that came out of that was my business speaking career. Um, a, a financial advisor who was also a golfer read Zen Golf and said, hey, this applies to business as much as it does to life. I mean, to golf. And that was my intention writing Zen Golf, yeah. that it was a life book, not just a golf book. Right. Well, um, he invited me, and then that led to my speaking career, which has also spanned twenty years. Yeah, I wanted to do an observation and maybe have you comment on that. Um, on on so you this value that you created in this book that I've just I've just observed in it that, that and you just and you kind of almost like said what I was going to ask, which is it the book came out of your teaching experience. Yes. Because what I what I where I've seen the value of the Zen uh, golf is, is that you had one person over here that showing how to do this in, on in your body, and then you are getting feedback on how to do this in your mind, and so then you bring those two together, you have this, you you have a mind that's actually reacting to the world, and so I'm like I'm so, I'm, so as I think about entrepreneurs as we. We, we come up with theories, we come up with ideas, and, and merging them with reality, how powerful that is. And I, I, yeah, I understand completely. And, and the, the wonderful thing and the reason that I got connected to Buddhism was there were no theories. In fact, you could say there's almost no, there are almost no beliefs in the Buddhist tradition. Hmm that they're, they're, it's not based on beliefs about something separate from ourselves. Right. So they, it, doesn't, it doesn't say there is a God or isn't a God. It, it's not about that. So, so you don't almost, one of, my, one of my teachers who's a Buddhist monk said Buddhism isn't a religion. It's the science of mind. The science of and, mind. And, and so it's all empirical. It's all, what do you discover when you apply things, what do you learn when you apply things? And and the truth, the truth isn't outside yourself, it's in you. And you use these practices to discover what you already, in a certain way, know without consciously knowing, but know because of your connection with, because you're a living being. Right. And so, so when I would teach, um, I would keep notes of what I was able to convey to people. And that's really what is in Zen golf. I mean, all of my books, it has to do with things that I've taught people that have connected with them that have rung true. And so I have people say, you know, I read Zen golf and I could have sworn you were in the bushes watching me play. Uh -huh. Because 
it spoke to me. And that's, that's really, you know, for your listeners, anything you communicate, it has to come from your heart. It has to come from something that you know deeply and that you've put into, you've tested it. You yes. put it into practice. It, it, it survived the, the, uh, uh, the fire, the, the furnace of experience. And once you've survived that furnace of experience and you know that it's trust, you can trust it, then you can share it with other people with confidence. And you know what? Everybody who hears you can tell whether you're speaking idealistically or you're speaking from experience, whether you're speaking with hope or whether you're speaking with confidence. Yeah. And, and so I want to, I want to finish what I'm talking about with convey my elevator speech. Yes. Yes. Because how do you introduce yourself to people? How do you let them know what you're doing? And that is your elevator speech. And if it's about you, they're not interested. Right. It has to be about them. Yep. So I, I was doing a talk for a financial services company that had a path called, uh, called POA, Path of um, uh, Achievement. Okay. And the joke was they said it's really DOA dead on arrival because you could say look around and only one out of five of you are going to survive this yes and become and become financial advisors yes so so they were doing test elevator speeches i work for a company with these many resources and this this and this and i got up and i said those are not going to work right here's your elevator speech start it with i help People like you. Mm -hmm. oh. oh, like me? Now I'm interested. Yeah. So my elevator speech is this, because you asked me to talk about who I could help. And it's limitless. Zen, golf, all my books are life books, not just topical books. Yeah. I help people like you get out of your own way to get the most out of your abilities. Right. So that applies to athletes actors, artists, executives, anybody who has to perform in some way. And and everybody has to perform their tasks. Even, even if you don't interact with other people, you guys still have to perform your tasks and have to get out of the negative mindsets that interfere and procrastination and all the other habits that interfere with you doing your best. So I can help you get out of your own way to get the most out of your abilities. And it can be for individuals, for groups, and for couples, for relationships. So business, life, wellness, and sports coaching are all the things that I do. And who I help are all of those different fields. Yeah. Yeah, because, because that's where it starts is we are, we are in our own way at times. I've, I've done my my corporate talks to hundreds of people, and I say, raise your hand if you've never gotten in your own way. And the only hands that go up are people who were so in their own way they didn't hear what I said. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, we all have the common experience. But the next thing I ask is important. Yeah. When you are in your own way, are you performing your best? And the answer is always no. Right. That's yeah. That's that. You're you're in a fear. You're in reaction. 
you're in crisis when you go away. And here's where mindfulness comes in, and I want to share this with with your audience. Mindfulness simply means paying attention to what it is that you're doing and experiencing in the present moment, internally, physical sensations, externally, perceptions, and mentally, your thoughts and emotions. Knowing what's going on without a lot of overlay of commentary on them. Mm -hmm. Moment to moment to moment. Yet, our mind always wanders into the past or the future at some point, and the practice of mindfulness is catching it as soon as we can and coming back to what we were paying attention to. And of course, the slogan for mindfulness is the same thing that's printed on the back of a raffle ticket. Right. You know what that is? No. You I... must be present to win. <laughs> I love so it. Our minds are always in the past or future, but when they come back to the here and now, to the present, you must be present to win. And I, and I want to share uh, with people that, you know, for the Winnie the Pooh book, my sister and I wrote poems. Uh, and I wanted to share the mindfulness poem. This is, I wrote this one because that's my specialty. Sure. It's Winnie the Pooh teaching mindfulness in four lines. It's all you need to know. All right, let's Four lines of poetry. You ready? Yes. Come back from the future or past to what I was just doing last. That's the way I know how to be poo here and now. Perfect. That's it. That's all. That is the entirety of mindfulness practice. Whether it's sitting still, whether you're involved in activity, and what I'm trying to teach people in this quarantine time is to use mindfulness practice in whatever you're doing. Right. Uh, there's a fun little commercial on uh, for one of the apps that just plays rain sounds and says, don't do anything for 15 seconds. Yeah. And, and hearing the rain sound is a signal to stop. But right. you can use all of the sounds in your experience to do that. And, this is really an offering I want to make to your, to your audience. And that is, okay, if you come up to a red light, instead of checking your texts or being impatient and looking around and wondering when it's going to change, it's a time when you cannot do anything about the situation. So use red, the red light as a mindfulness signal. There's your, that's a signal to stop. Breathe and just settle down. Wow. You know, you know how the slogan when you, you catch on fire, it says stop, drop, and roll? Right. Okay. Stop, drop what you're doing, and breathe. Breathe. Stop, drop what you're thinking. Stop, drop, and think. And let okay. it. There's, there's your slogan. Stop, drop, and think. And, and breathe. And breathe. And then stop, you drop, and breathe. As okay, they, now, uh, if, if your phone rings, yeah, stop, drop what you're thinking about, take at least one breath before you answer. Right. If your computer beeps that there's a new email, stop, close your eyes, breathe before you look and see what that email is. If there's a text, if there's uh, your, your, the uh, microwave goes off because you're heating up your tea, any sounds, use 
as a as like a, a meditation gong, a, a bell that says stop, rock everything, and breathe. breathe. One breath, three breaths, seven breaths, whatever you can afford, and then go on with your day. I love it. I love it. It is such a powerful um, uh, metaphor. It's a technique that we can simple to use. Yes. And when I say drop, there's a several ways you can drop what you're thinking and drop your energy into your body, out of your head. Yeah. Just let it sink down and feel your body move as you inhale and exhale. And, and, and you feel your torso move, then you're out of your head and into your body. So drop your awareness down into your body. So stop at that moment what you're thinking about. Drop your awareness into your body and breathe. Feel your breathing. Now, you know you're supposed to wash your hands, right? Right. And you're supposed to do it for 20 seconds. Okay. Okay. Instead of counting seconds or singing happy birthday, like they say, sing happy birthday twice. Right. Instead, when you start washing your hands, start taking deep breaths. By the time you're done with four or five deep breaths, that will have been 20 seconds. Wow. Wow. Two birds with one stone. You get your hands washed and you did your breathing. Yeah. And if you haven't slowed your breathing down quite so much, so do six breaths while you wash your hands. And, and, and by doing this, this simple exercise and becoming, making a part of ourselves, suddenly we get results in other areas of our life. Where well, absolutely, because you become aware of when you're present and when you're off in a daydream. And yeah. you, you know the difference between the two. Right. And, and, and when you do, then you realize, hey, wait a minute, I wasn't listening. Yeah. And you come back. And then you come back. And then you come back. And it enriches your experience. And makes so you make you have more authentic enrichment experience for yourself, and you are more genuinely responsive to others because you're present. You're not daydreaming about something else and not listening to them. Right. You're not thinking about who's going to come in the room next. You're totally there and present for them. Right. I love it. Well, Dr. Joe, thank you so much for what you've shared with us today. I have just it is just so beautiful and I am so grateful that you have made that hero's journey and had those epiphanies and followed you. that passion so that you could create these, these books for us, help these amazing athletes succeed in golf and tennis. Um, I want to let people, uh, you know, during this show, we've got to know you um, and how authentic you are. We've got to like you, dare I say, we love you and trust you. And we want to, you know, what, what, how do we get a hold of you so that we can avail ourselves of your services, buy your books? Well, I, I want to share one thing you had asked me, you know, how do we, you know, in this world with so much information overload, how do, uh, how does one connect with your audience? Mm -hmm. um, and, and to start with, we have a term in the Buddhist tradition called auspicious coincidence. Mm -hmm. And that means when the positive experience when two things come together so my motto is to let people know what you're doing <laughs> i know my agent once called it shameless self-promotion <laughs> but it, it is something that 
you you can't be shy about letting people know what you're doing. Absolutely. If they're interested, they're interested. If not, not. But 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 here's here's the idea. Good opportunities are 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 always moving around and always moving around and looking to find you. Yes. They're looking to find you. Now, if you it's like a ping pong ball bounce self-propelled ping pong ball bouncing around the room all you know all over the place. If you're out in the middle of the room, it's more likely they're gonna hit it's gonna hit you than if you're sitting in the corner. So you have to step out and and you don't have to say you don't have to ask for anything. You have to let people know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And here are the two steps. First, you say, okay, um, this is what I do. And you have to couch it in terms that might interest them. I help people like you get more out of this, that, or the other thing. I help, you know, I told you mine. I help people like you get out of your own way to get the most out of your ability. And, and then finish the conversation with, and please don't hesitate to let me know if there's anything else I can do for you. Right. I always end that way. Yeah. Which means I'm offering for you rather than asking of you. Right. And that's all you need to do to let people know what you do. And yeah. then say, let me know if I can be of help. That's no like trust right there. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> that that Your slogan inspired me to share that with people. So if you go to... D, drjoeparent.com. The only dot is before dot is dot com. D r j o e p a r e n t dot com. If you're a golfer, you can tune right into zengolf.com. But you can also access that through the main site. And there I have sections on business uh, and my keynote speaking, on my sports coaching, on uh, the diet book and wellness coaching, and on my life coaching and mindfulness work, uh, and, and the Winnie the Pooh book. So, uh, it's all contained there. I also have, uh, and, and on there, um, is a section of free resources. And the video resources connect to my YouTube channel, which is, again, Dr. Joe Parent. Right. On, on my YouTube channel. And there I have, the readings from A Walk in the Wood, my mindfulness, a couple of mindfulness Zoom sessions recorded. So, a te- introduction to mindfulness, uh, demo videos of my keynote speaking, uh, and also some uh, golf tips. Uh, <laughs> and I think that you'll, uh, uh, and, and tips from the diet book. So, wow. we have all five of those categories in the video section on my YouTube channel. And yes, I have Twitter. You can find it's pretty easy to find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Wonderful. I love that. Thank you so much. It has been such an honor talking to you and we're so grateful that you shared what you've done with us. My pleasure. Thank you. And oh I wanted to mention one other thing you can sign up on the, the website for either website, Zen Golf or Dr. Joe Parent, for a free quote of the week. It's it's not exactly a newsletter. It's just a couple of quotes of the week and a golf tip. Now, I want to suggest to people, long newsletters, people don't read so much. Right. If you want to have 
links to articles and choose for them to read, but they will open a one-page newsletter. Yes. They won't open a long one. And that is part of why Zen Golf had so much success. No chapter is longer than three pages. Okay. Makes and in our information age and Twitter age, nobody wants to read a long, long thing. Right. Bite-sized pieces. Bite-sized pieces. Thank you, Dr. Joe. Appreciate you. You have been listening to Know, Like, Trust by Stampede Digital Systems, a part of the Stampede Podcast Network. The questions from today's interview have been adapted and simplified from the powerful marketing tool, the Sales Site Blueprint. To learn more and get the full set of questions to start your business on the Know, Like, Trust path, download your free Sales Site Blueprint today from stampedeweb.com. That's stampedeweb.com. Until next time, this is Be Rich, signing out.